to do a DOS command that makes a mask print out, yep. I would lose my mind. I'd lose my lunch. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And today we are going to talk about the Jejun Institute, mm. which I only recently found out about because it inspired the new show on AMC, Dispatches from Elsewhere, which I, I haven't found, watched yet. No, I but, found out about it very recently when Kristen told me to look into it and I had no idea. I've never heard of this thing before. I haven't either. But it was I so cool. I've never heard of it before. It makes sense that we've never heard of it before, as yeah. we'll get into. It's something that only happened in San Francisco from 2008 not, to 2011. Right. It's not recent right. anyway. So we totally skip our radar. Yeah. Um, not sponsored by Dispatches from Elsewhere. Would love to be. But just saying. Yeah. might have sounded a little sponsory. Yeah. No, no, no. But like it's a it's a sort of a, an interactive. I'm loath to call it a game, as right. I will explain. Yes. The creator doesn't care for that. Does not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is an interactive experience it's that can of... turn your mundane reality into a sort of larger than life ongoing, evolving, episodic story. Right. It's it's kind of scavenger hunt-esque, but more involved than that and kind of creepier. People liken it to a cult sometimes. Yeah. It's very, very cool. It's super cool. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to this week, I'm going to talk about the sort of what it is and where it came from. Mm-hmm. Kristen's going to talk about the experiences that people have had actually partaking in right. it. Um, But before we get into all of that, Mm -hmm. Guide to the Unknown is a weekly show where Kristen and I sit down to discuss things from the worldwide weird network. Yeah. So the Jejun Institute fits right in with us talking about Bigfoot, with us talking about uh, the true story behind The Conjuring. So if you're into that sort of thing, make sure that you subscribe uh, and look into our back catalog for tons of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Anything mysterious and intriguing, we are all over. Yeah, and if you enjoy Guide to the Unknown, make sure you follow at GTTU Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to stay up to date with what we're working on so you get a bunch of uh, updates when we're putting out new material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also, in our last uh, uh, episode together, talked about how we were finally delving into merch. Yeah. And I can tell you right now that Kristen and I are sipping out of mugs uh, emblazoned with the Guide to the Unknown logo. It looks really nice. It wraps around the whole mug. It's it's a good look. It's a good look. You'll want your morning Joe in this thing. Yeah. You can get Guide to the Unknown merch by going to tpublic.com slash user slash GTTU pod. That's right. We have t-shirts. We have hoodies. Basically... Anything that they offered that you can put a logo on, we put the Guides to the Unknown logo on so that you guys have a ton of stuff that you can choose from and enjoy and rock the show merch. Hell yeah. Nice and, and tag us in pictures green. of it and stuff. Yes. We love it. We love seeing pictures of you guys wearing the merch, using the merch, whatever. And we repost those. So by all means, tag us at Pod with your pictures. Yeah. You can also go to patreon.com slash Pod, And if you donate $4 or more per month, you get one bonus episode every month on the 15th. And also additional things like weekly posts where we tease what the coming show is about blogs here and there we've behind got commentary the scenes. tracks for the scream movies right We're behind praying. the scenes pictures of mm. putting together the set going shopping for it just we like to involve our donors over at patreon in like the personal process of guides the unknown as well as giving them more of what you already like in the form of extra shows that are audio video the whole deal so you can go check it out um if you go to patreon.com slash gttu pod you could even just cruise without being a member and see what posts are there to get a feel for what it's like and then decide to join yeah yeah uh we welcome you to the fold yes okay so now let me set the scene please for you you're on your way to work 
Okay, whether you're driving to work, whether you're walking to work, you pass by a thousand commonplace items every day. You just breeze past those telephone poles that have flyers taped to them. You go to the coffee shop, you notice that they've got that bulletin board in there with, you know, flyers for drum lessons and stuff like that. Most of the time, you don't pay any attention to it. But what if on your way back home from work, this time... It catches your eye and you finally pay attention. And so you look at that flyer taped to the telephone pole and you realize that it's advertising something impossible. A camera that can take pictures of the past. At the bottom of the flyer, there are those little fringes of paper with little phone numbers written on them. And maybe inspiration strikes. And as absurd as this is, you rip off one of those little tabs. Curiosity gets the best of you. Yeah. You have just interacted with the Jejun Institute. So what is it? What mm-hmm. is this thing? We talked about, uh, in the History of Guide to the Unknown, we've sort of talked about these organizations out there that um, uh, are almost like secret society-ish. Yeah. Like you said, they're almost cult-ish. We've talked about Cicada 3301, mm-hmm. which is like a, another sort of organization that like tries to invite you to join it. Right. The and Je- there's been some speculation that the same person who does the Jejun Institute is behind Cicada 3301. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So um, the Jejun Institute describes themselves this way before I will like sort of like make it a little more easy to understand. This is from the Jejun website, which is nonchalance.com slash Jejun. And that's J-E-J-U-N-E. Jejun sounds like um, like a fancy shampoo. Yeah, use your jejun. Sassoon. Videl jejun. Videl jejun. So they describe themselves. I don't know if remembers that jingle. Anyway, as part fringe folklore, part comment on group potential. Fringe folklore is an awesome way to put something. I know. Part derive. Oh. Which I looked into that one. Derive, I think, is literally like the same word as like. Uh, oh, this term is derived from. That's what I was thinking. Like it's derivative. Right. But yeah. the definition but of derivé itself mm-hmm. is kind of like to find something, to find where something came from. Okay. So I interpret it as literally what you just said before of like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. It's part derivé, part scavenger hunt. The Games of Nonchalance presents clues through a tightly synced constellation of rivalries, quixotic maps, alternate locations, and chance meetings that activate the shadiest corners and forgotten garden medians of San Francisco. Mm. So, here's why we've never heard of this before. Because otherwise, the Jejun Institute as a, I'm just going to call it a game now, even though the guy doesn't like the title. Yeah. Just because we can all grasp the concept easier. It's an interactive game that you can partake in. Uh, Like I said, you're just walking around the environment. You happen to notice a flyer. If you choose to engage with it, you're part of the Jejun Institute game. Mm -hmm. If you walk past it, then whatever. Yeah, Yeah, you're just not. Um, No big deal. Mm -hmm. It's happening whether you're engaging with it or not. Exactly. Which I guess you could say about everything. But yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard to understand this idea that you could just be out there in the world. Yeah. And this thing is unfolding around you. Yeah, and you may not even know. I almost liken it to um, Pokemon Go. 
Yeah. You know, which like took the world by storm in, I want to say, 2016. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, is all about like you've got the app on your phone where you can look for Pokemon, but you have to go to specific real world locations to do stuff like uh, interact with a Pokestop to get new resources and stuff. Right. And so for a long time and still now, there are people that are walking around the real world, the city outside your window, looking for, for Pokemon and stuff. People were playing the Jejun Institute doing the same thing. You just didn't know it. Yeah, Jejun Go. Jejun Go. Um, so uh, it did start with a series of flyers for sort of like impossible things mm-hmm. like that camera that can take pictures of nothing. Right. Uh, it can the take past. pictures of like the past, yeah. Um, but the... the uh, uh, well, I, it's funny. I, I don't really know which way I really want to take this because there's sort of a number of ways that I can go. Okay. I don't want to step on your toes either, so I'm just going to push the original gameplay a little bit further. Okay. Because I think it's important to get a sense of what this is. Yeah. All right. So let's say that you took that phone number off that flyer. Mm -hmm. You call the flyer, the number. It tells you to go to this building. You go to that building. They tell you to go to this floor. Right. You go to that floor. They give you a key with a set of instructions on it, and then you walk. They tell you to like go down the hall and enter a room, and then you're sort of, like, inducted. Yeah. So it is, there's, like, an infrastructure to Mm -hmm. this. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, Pokemon Go is a very digital thing that's built on top of existing stuff. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the main differences Yeah. uh, from, like, other, I know they don't like to be called an ARG. Yes. But other ARGs. Alternate reality games. Yep. Is that this is very physical. Yeah. Like physical buildings you're going into, physical items. Like it's, it's, they installed not... plaques yeah. on old buildings. Mm-hmm. Like they added stuff to the world that right. you can find. And right. a lot of them are tagged with a symbol that once you're in the know, you'll realize that this symbol is the Jejun Institute symbol, meaning that that telephone box is not a real telephone box. Yeah. That's a <gasps> plant there by the people who built this game it's so cool it reminded me of a much more pleasant and cooler version of when we talked about that thing blackout nyc in the episode about extreme haunts yeah where um you would see somebody wearing at one point i think their logo was a shirt with like three dots on it and you knew that that was somebody having to do something with blackout right that you would go talk to or whatever yeah so it's just somebody walking who to anybody else is just a guy in a black shirt but you're like oh that's one of the like haunt guys i go talk to him about it i do love that idea of like the world for most people is the same but for people who are in the know yeah who are clicked in they see like something different from the rest of us right it's just really cool Yeah, it's awesome so let's go with um you pointed out the the things that make it seem like an arg Mm -hmm. um all args are alternate reality games which um i've really sort of like been in love with for a while there are some that are really good there are some that are really bad but they usually amount to like um oh you'll notice in a commercial uh, there's like a website listed at the end of a commercial on television. Mm-hmm. If you go to that website, it's an in-game universe where there are characters that are struggling with something and you can track what's happened to these fictional characters yeah. on these real websites. Um, but, it's usually very technologically based. Yeah, true. But so Jeff Hall, the creator of the Jejun Institute, uh, had this to say in an interview with uh, Vice.com. Links to any uh, of the stuff we talk about will be in the notes. He says... It is no small annoyance to me that this work gets described as an alternate reality game. I hate them. (laughs) I hate them. They're two-dimensional. They're usually marketing material. They don't have any higher ambition. Everything that we are doing 
asks people to challenge themselves, and I don't think that ARGs have ever done that. Uh, the strong person, words. Yeah, very strong. Um, he uh, doesn't like the description of it as like a game and everything. Right. He says, you can describe anything as a game. A court of law is a game. An election cycle is a game. Life itself is a game. Which some of that is like, you know. It's like heady. Hyperbolic. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. But I kind of understand what he's going mm-hmm. for. Because honestly, like I already sort of referred to um, the Jejun Institute as being part of nonchalance games. Right. That nonchalance is his company. Mm-hmm. Nonchalance is a uh, like sort of like an art consultation group. Right. So this is essentially the Jejun Institute is a massive art installation. Right. It's not something that made him money. And nonchalance is kind of part of the storyline of the game. Yeah, right. Yeah. But like, uh, uh, I'm talking like from like the real world, like org perspective. Right, but I just think it's interesting that that is a real world thing, but it also seeps its way into the game. Yeah, true. Um, the goal of the game, uh, to hear uh, uh, Jeff Hall explain it, is to get people to interact with the public spaces around them. Mm-hmm. And to that point, he would sometimes even have like, radio broadcast that you can only hear in certain parts of San Francisco. It's so cool. Which is just so, like, there's an, an innovation here that, like, so, like, I work for the company uh, Killer, which is all about sort of creating interactive stories. Yeah, a lot with, of this reminded me of Killer. Totally. With, like, a lot of, like, gameplay elements. But the sort of, like, unbridled, I think partly because, and maybe he's expanded, mm-hmm. but partly because this started in 2008 as something that was San Francisco- specific yeah. being able to play with the actual physicality of San Francisco meant that uh, uh he wasn't trying to engage the world in it right so we could do really small weirdo things mm-hmm. and some of this stuff is really really creative yes um so uh in some of my research I found bits and pieces of the story mm-hmm. I'm not going to uh explain those yeah. bits and pieces of the story um, what I will say is that I have uh, found like a YouTube channel that is the Jejun Institute YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, we're talking about something that has been going on for 12 years. Right. Their YouTube channel has 223 subscribers. Oh, weird. How weird is that? It's strange to me even with the show out right now. Right. That it only has 223 subscribers. Yeah. Huh. I think it's because... Partly because people interact with the videos themselves, but aren't considering the Jejun Institute something to follow right, on YouTube. Right, because it's, it's not continually putting out new stuff. Right. But I would follow them just in case they do. I know. So I did follow I'm going them. going to, yeah. Matter of fact, I connected with Jeff Hall on LinkedIn earlier today. Oh, awesome. He added me back about two hours ago. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I said to him, I think that we have uh, interests that are very aligned. Yes, I think that... We do. I think we do. You slash we do. You should you should add them as well. I will, but that means I have I'd to go to my LinkedIn, LinkedIn which I is know. oh I agree. Yeah. It's a problem. It's probably really I think I went to it like a couple of years ago and it was like very embarrassing. Yeah. My LinkedIn but, is like a is basically like my MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. like a glittering rose gift. <laughs> my top eight is way dated. Yeah. Well, we'll have to add Jeff Hall and just spice it up a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Spice up your life. Yeah. Zhuzh it up. Oh, Zhuzh it up. Ah, we got to zhuzh it up. Um, so, uh, uh, okay. Let's talk a little more about Jeff Hall. Okay. I watched a video of his. He did a TED talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a TEDx talk. I don't know what the difference is. I don't really either. Yeah. But whatever. Also from way back, it's from 2010, mm-hmm. but it was wonderful. Yeah. And it really gave me a, uh, 
uh, uh, his sense of what this is all about. Because, like, you think about, like, and granted, this is, we're talking about something that we covered more than 100 episodes when I refer to this. Cicada 3301 is a shadowy organization that uh, they put out feelers to see if you will join them through a series of puzzles yeah but they will never tell you who's at the top Mm -hmm. they will never tell you who's involved they keep it all under wraps you don't know who's behind it right jeff hall is pretty publicly out there as the creator of the uh the jejun institute right uh but what you know the reason that we're talking about him on guide to the unknown is because of the sort of like um uh gigantic degree degree to which he created a living breathing oh yeah like frightening story yeah absolutely um it's one of the coolest storytelling things I've ever seen. Yes. It's insane. A thousand percent. But so it was really fascinating to hear him explain who he is, where he came from, and where this where this game came yeah. from. Because by and large, he is talking about the Jejun Institute as an experience in his TED Talk. But more so than that, I think that he's talking about almost like a philosophical concept for us all to grasp in our everyday lives oh, which yeah. is really intriguing yes when when i get to some of the gameplay stuff it kind of goes into that a little really? bit mm-hmm. so his talk is titled variability and play in the civic realm which you use the word realm and uh-huh. i'm there anyway yeah <laughs> but some of that is uh, uh like a word soup variability and play in the civic realm okay so he is talking literally variability is spontaneity, right. things that are unexpected, and play, mm-hmm. literally the act of playing. Yeah. Like you used to play tag on the uh, right. on the playground when and you were a kid. And a sense of playfulness to something and curiosity. Yeah. So let's unpack the civic realm. Mm-hmm. He talks about this idea of the third place. Uh, this is like a concept that I've heard about uh, uh, commonly. You've got your first and second place, most of us. Mm-hmm. Your first place is home. That's where you spend most of your time. Your second place is work. Right. That's where you spend the second most amount of time. The third place is everything, everything outside else. of that. Mm-hmm. So that is where we have public works buildings. That is where we build schools. That is where we build parks. You go through, you travel through the third place to get from home to work. Right. Literally, when you're on the road, you're in the third place. Mm-hmm. Um, and his point is that he shows like a top-down map of San Francisco and he goes, look at all these buildings. This is the third place. Yeah. Look at how many of them are office buildings. Look how many of uh, how much of this map is covered with homes, uh, industrial complexes. Uh, all the remaining place seems to have been taken up by roads to just let you get to and from your first and second places. Yeah. Where are you supposed to like interact with each other? Right. Where are you supposed to? They're like, transitory. Most of these third places. Yeah. Where are you supposed to like let your hair down and experiment and play and get weird? And uh, it's interesting. He talks about how um, if you want to go to the park, sure, there are some parks, but a lot of the biggest parks out there, if you want to play sports or something like that, are attached to schools. Mm -hmm. You can't just go to a school and play on all of their parks and stuff. And he goes, the lesson that we're inadvertently taught is that once you're done with school, you're done with play. Mm -hmm. You age out of going to that place where there's a giant baseball diamond and football field and soccer fields. And you start going to offices exclusively. You're sort of accidentally taught that play is not something that adults do. Right. And so he sought to create an experience that would use the existing third place as it is, roads, 
office parks, industrial complexes, and add something new on top of it. That is so cool. And so that's the Zhejun Institute. Uh, he said, you don't have to buy a ticket or enter a theater to have an entertainment experience. How deep down the rabbit hole would you like to go? Because it's pretty fudging deep. Yeah. Talking about some of like what he's built. Right, right. You know? That's really awesome. That concept of play comes up in, it's not a spooky thing. There's a book I read called Joyful. It came out last year and it's about basically using design aesthetics and visual things to bring more joy to your life. And by joy, it just means not necessarily deep happiness, but just like, oh, I like that. It gives me a little spark of something or whatever. And um, the author's name is Ingrid Fettel. F- Ingrid Fettel Lee talks about there are different um, design principles, I guess I would, I would say, that she talks about bringing more of into your life because these are kind of proven scientifically joyful design principles. And one of them was play. And she definitely talked a lot about the fact that as we're adults, we're automatically phased out of the idea yeah. of play. And there are actually visual things that look or rem- look playful to the eye and remind you of the concept of playfulness. I don't remember the off the top of my head, but I think it's round objects because they make you think of balls. Oh, interesting. So decorating with round things, colorful things, they bring an aspect of play into your life that's usually lacking as an adult. Huh. And um, it's really interesting. It just reminded me of that. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, thinking about all this stuff really made me think about the fact that my first and second place are the same place. Yeah. <laughs> No, I I work from home. Yeah, same. So I will. I'll wake up in the morning, and my first place, I guess, is upstairs, and my mm-hmm. second place is your downstairs. First, your first place is a little room called the bathroom. I guess that's true. So that's my fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh <laughs> yeah. place. I I I I seldom go outside, mm-hmm. even. Yeah. So where the hell am I playing? I like to think that uh, uh, we've created I sort think, of like a theater of the mind. I'm about to say, I I feel like this is our play a little bit. Yeah. This yeah. this certainly actually is a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, but also like, I don't know, I feel like I, uh, uh, reading this, I felt kind of good about myself. Cause like, even when I had a quote unquote normal nine to five mm-hmm. where I was like a middle manager right, and would like go to an office every day, I was still really like, kind of like goofy and laid back. Yeah. Like I treated everything like it was yeah, fun exactly. and still tried to, like I, I try to make my work be as much fun as possible i mean i think that there definitely is i i think what he's saying makes a ton of sense but i do also think there's a degree of play is kind of what you make it it can be in place one and two as well but yeah i think there's a social interaction thing that he's also referring to yeah i certainly don't have that so much no No. (laughs) and that's good that's fine yeah Yeah. who needs it corona's out there what am i gonna interact with sickos no i don't think so no I've been on quarantine for I the last, say, like, three years. There have been a lot of jokes about the quarantine being, like, no bakey, and I'm right there with them. Yeah. Like, this, I'm changing my lifestyle pretty much zero. Yeah, this... And you, I'm following the rules to a T. You all might be surprised by the last time that I was off this property. Like, forget outside, because I'll go outside with the dog, but, like, you yeah. might be surprised how infrequently I step off the land that I own here. <laughs> you know? I don't know. You, you say that, but you step off, like, more than I do. Really? Yeah, you, like, go to, like, friends' houses sometimes and stuff. Friends. You do who needs them <laughs> anyway <laughs> so um i i just really enjoy the way that jeff hall talks about yeah all of this stuff yeah, that's really because he makes everything sound like the world is full of possibilities yeah, so some of this really is playful cool. some of this is fairy tale ish some of it literally as mm-hmm. i'll get into but so he says like trap doors and side hatches and rabbit holes to hidden wonder and discovery can exist around us all the time 
Um, it's awesome. He also said to the New York Times, I had totally underestimated the amount of work that would go into every element. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's clear that this is like a passion project to create a playground. Yeah, it seems like it would have to be. And I really... I really love it and admire it. Mm -hmm. He describes how uh, when he was a kid, he used to work at, quote, Oakland's Children's Fairyland, okay. I think. Uh, he played Jack of Jack and Jill. Uh, and he became enamored with and uh, uh, all the unexpected ways that you could interact with the environment. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a small theme park type thing for kids. Like Rye Playland, maybe? Yeah, kind of. So uh, he holds up a magic key. And he says that this was something that they would use the children's fairyland to unlock a talking story box. And by unlocking it, a fairy tale or a nursery rhyme would come out. Or you'd get information that would lead you to go elsewhere nearby to find something else. That's very So fun. his childhood experience, he just took and exploded all yeah. over San Francisco. That's awesome. Um, he felt like that working at the children's fairyland was sort of his introduction to the arts and performance. Mm -hmm. um, it was about going down slides to go into new realms and meet the Cheshire cat and find, you know, um, uh, yellow brick roads to lead you. I mean, it's not surprising that that inspired a whole thing about play yeah. that he created. Honestly, this is a little dorkier, but like uh, one of my favorite video game series is the legend of Zelda, mm -hmm. which is largely about playing as a kid who is on a giant quest where sometimes he'll find like caves that he needs to explore. Yeah. And the inspiration for that was that the creator Shigeru Miyamoto remembered how much fun he had being as a kid in the countryside, just running around in the woods and exploring stuff. That's awesome. It's like just take your childhood sense of, uh, of wonder and exploration and turn it into something for other people to have. Yeah, totally. Which I love. And which we've done. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah that's true. Spooky stuff yeah, everywhere. Yeah, cool. And also, like, the thing that I'm sort of maybe underplaying is the way that he's, like, spookified this. Because, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Jejun Institute, the way that, like, normies would interact with it is, is this thing a cult? Right. Are you being inducted into something or being sucked into, like, some sort of an organization that you can't escape that has nefarious goals? Mm -hmm. uh, but so his LinkedIn lists children's fairyland in Oakland as his first job. Uh, and uh, just for the sake of it, his second job listed on there is for Cole's Honey Co. And he wrote, quote, put the lids on the honey bears as they came <laughs> off the line. Oh, very good. <laughs> Sounds like a nice job. Sounds like a great job. I love honey. Yeah. Probably smelled great in there. He said that he felt out, like after leaving the children's fairyland that the whole world felt kind of drab uh -huh. and lacking in imagination. This is... This is like a movie. Well, it is a movie, yeah. but um, it's literally a movie. There's like a his, documentary of this. Yes, but his life is is like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he worked at this place and everything felt drab. So he created yeah this ama amazing thing. He made it his job to quote inject more variability and play into the civic realm. Yeah. So it all sort of like comes together and and makes sense. So that's some so of the cool. that's some of the the what. And again, the way that you literally interact with Jejun, which we're sort of dodging the actual story because there are bits and pieces out there for all of you to discover. Yes. Um, especially through the new show. Right. So it seems like I was actually really surprised. The show, again, I haven't seen it yet, but from reading about it, I assumed that it was going to be based on this, but they would have changed the names and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, modification, changed, like a new draft. Right. They changed the the Jeff Hull figure in the show isn't named Jeff Hull, but it's called the Jejun Institute mm. in the show. Yeah. Um. So I 
wonder slash assume that they may take the storyline, the actual storyline of the Jejun Institute and use it in the show. So at first, my notes were all the storyline. Like I was pretty deep into it where I was like, oh, I'll explain what's going on. And I was like, I might be spoiling this show. Might be spoiling show. this show for everybody. So right. I had to like delete everything and I just decided to go through and find highlights of the cool things that you do during the course of the storyline. Um, so that's, anyway, that's why we're staying away from it just so that you can enjoy dispatches from elsewhere without us potentially spoiling it. For all I know, it's not the same story, but I just didn't want to even risk it. I think there's so much to say about like the concept of the Jejun Institute Yeah, as like a, a a, a wild undertaking and a way to bring stories to life. It's unreal. I've really never heard of anything quite as involved as this. Yeah. It's so, so cool. It's wonderful. So, um, like we said, I'm going to tell you about some people's experience actually doing it and just bits and pieces of what you do when you actually are jejuning, as people call it, um, without revealing the actual storyline. So it's a little bit choppy, but it's still really cool stuff where you're going to hear these things and be like, what? Yeah. But I'm going to kick off talking about Jason Siegel's experience, which is a little bit different than everybody else's because he comes from a little bit of a different place with it. So he watched that 2013 documentary, The Institute, and he was intrigued by it. He thought it was super cool, and he was looking for something new to write at the time, write about, and he was like, like, maybe I can write about this. This yeah. is awesome. So he called the Jejun Institute or maybe called Jeff Hall. Either way, phone call to somebody involved and he was hung up on. They they didn't want any part of it. But then a month later, after thinking that I guess this like is a no-go, he got an email with a time and a San Francisco address. No way. Yes. So when at the time that this happened, the Jejun Institute had been closed for a few years. It wasn't a thing anymore. And he was like, okay, yeah. what? Because he didn't expect there to be any experience thing for him to be doing. There was even like in the New York Times article, I think it was titled something along the lines of like, want to join the Jejun Institute? Yes. It may be too late. Yes. Because it stopped in 2011. Right. But like nonchalance games behind it. Yeah. Continue well, to make stuff. Right. There's the Jejun Institute and then there's another name of something that I'll come to in a minute. I'll find it. But yeah, they, they've had another similar experience, experience, basically. Yeah. But so he wasn't expecting to like go do a thing. Yeah. And he um, so he went to that address at that time and he had to give up his phone and ID. And then some stuff happened. So he doesn't go into the whole thing, but he said that, and this is all from an LA Times article that'll be linked in the show notes. He said that he had to walk into a bar and give the bartender a password. And then the bartender handed him an item that he needed in order for him to proceed. Yeah. And he said he felt like he was in Carmen San Diego. He said, I was basically stripped of all the armor that you put on in life. They do this amazing job of making you feel a part of this thing that doesn't care who you are or the or the particularities of your life, and it challenges you to be a part of something. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So you don't have all your basics. They don't really care that he's Jason Siegel. But what does that mean? Do you happen to know what that means functionally? Like, if you get stripped of your things, mm -hmm. like I, I, did they take his phone? Did they take? Yeah, I, yeah. They said that he took it. They took his phone. And they took his ID. Oh, I did. I, okay, I think I kind of glossed over that. Yeah. Because I'm like, it doesn't mean that they don't care who you 
are, but they're stripping away the things that connect you to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I'm like, yeah. That's okay. So he solved whatever he needed to solve. He doesn't explain it. And he um, obviously impressed the higher ups, whether that's just straight up Jeff Hall or some other people, because he later received an email saying, we were watching you. You have divine balance. Meet us at X location. Whoa. And then they told him that he could write about it when he went to that location. So he said that he felt like doing these things was kind of a rite of passage. And Jeff Hull said that he's right. It was a rite of passage for him because he needed to make sure that he was the right person to tell this story and go ahead with a project. Um, but he wasn't all the way done. He wanted Siegel to also go through the Latitude Society project, which yes. is their other thing that I couldn't think of the name of a minute so ago. So I tried to follow that because there was a link to that in the Vice article that mm -hmm. I read, but the website was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what Hull says about having Jason Siegel adapted is, is he said, I don't know if I was ready. Maybe I was skeptical. There's something about shared experiences that can be transformative and that can build social cohesion. So, yeah, I actually was trying to initiate him into my world a little bit. So they didn't elaborate any more on that and what happened through the Latitude Society project. Yeah. But it must have gone well because they made the show and Hull is happy with it. He said that it feels the experience of the Jejun Institute and the Latitude Society uh, feel intact That's in the show. So how does Siegel feel about the game and the experience altogether? Um, he said that he feels like kind of similar to what you were saying that Hull said in his TEDx talk. He said that he feels like the experience is sort of a perfect metaphor for life. And this is a quote. I think that we are just born. We have no idea what the point is. And it's our job to try to construct meaning from our experiences. In the same way that the Wizard of Oz is, you know, we must get to the Emerald City. We have a million versions of that in our lives. So meaning like all these like goalposts and ends that you're supposed to hit and then you've made it or whatever. He said, once I get this thing, all my problems will be solved. That's the way you feel through life. The goal part always ends up not being the thing. You get your brain, your heart, your courage, and your home along the way. Hmm. So the idea of it being an experience rather than like a game with an end point that right. you've won. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool. I do. I do like that. Because also like I've heard things about like the final chapter of the Jujun experience. Some mm -hmm. people felt let down. Right. But I, I almost feel like the expectation of what's mm -hmm. going to possibly come at the end of this thing should be trounced by the like, I can't believe we got to do that this That we got all. to do this. Yeah. I was just thinking about this because Ryan and I just finished The Outsider last night, that show on HBO. Yeah. And so a lot of people are disappointed by that ending. But I was thinking about the fact that endings are almost always kind of disappointing. Yeah. And I feel like if you're always like gearing that up to be the most important or definitive part of something that's going to tell you whether it was good or not. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, some things like stick the landing, but it's not even a quality thing of sticking the landing. It's kind of rare for you to be like that ending was, Ooh, it was it. It was whatever. Like yeah. it's usually all the stuff, all the buildup and wondering and all that kind of stuff is like the most fun part. The ending is a, a conclusion and it'll leave you satisfied or not maybe, but I don't think it colors the whole thing. Yes. And by the way, I like the ending anyway. Yeah, no, but, of course. Um, but yeah. just endings aren't that, I just don't find them that important. I couldn't agree more. Think about how many times people will judge a show by like, yeah, but the end sucked. Yeah, right. But like, did you like everything else? So exactly. then you liked it. People forget about 
how much time that they've invested in it, or they feel like their time was robbed for how much time they invested in it, only to not like the final few moments. Right, like, oh, I wasted... Okay, I wasted five hours of my life. And it's like, well, did you? I mean, you, you, it yeah, sounds you like you liked it. Yeah, you wouldn't have spent the time on it if you were not enjoying it. Yeah, even on some level. Yeah. Even if it's curiosity. Curiosity is an enjoyable sensation. Right. Yeah, like uh, evidently all of Game of Thrones is ruined because the last season people yeah, right. didn't like. Lost is ruined because nobody liked the last episode. Right. Like, I disagree with that. Yeah, I do too. I just, I just don't feel that way. I reject your hypothesis. As do I. Um, and so does Jason Siegel, Yeah. for the record. So let's move on to Reddit. I was very surprised the same way that you were surprised by the Jejun Institute only having like 223 followers. When we picked who was going to do what for this topic, I thought I was going to find a million posts on Reddit right. to delve through. And I was going to have like an endless source of people being like, I did the Jejun Institute AMA yeah. kind of thing. There really aren't that many posts about it on Reddit. I feel like this isn't that... It's not as well known as I would think. I think it's like the coolest thing ever. I think it's really, really cool. that it's not right. a bigger deal. We're I mean, it's a big deal, but you know what I mean. something from, you know, conservatively nine years I know. ago. I know. That's definitely part of the thing. But still, yeah. I mean, it's it's so encompassing like you guys can look at it we're not spoiling it for you here but feel free to google and find some stuff or use our show notes it is so elaborate and insane i would think that there'd be like devotees of it like a cult-like following it's insanely cool yeah um so i went on reddit and i did find there were some posts and i pulled some things about um, people's experiences doing it that I thought were cool. So somebody asked anybody in one thread, somebody asked anybody here ever participate in the Jejun Institute project that was asked by somebody named Spencer Hitch 66. And this, and this post went up four years ago. So the responses are all from four years ago. Freakhead said, I participated in a flash mob in union square put on by them. I had no idea it was them putting it on. I know maybe there's a union, union square, square in yeah. San Francisco. My friend sent me a link to a weird website that was like an old console DOS prompt, and you could type in commands. Eventually, I found a command that printed out a funny mask of this weird face. It came with instructions to show up at Union Square wearing the mask at a specific time. It was mysterious and a bit creepy, but I showed up and a bunch of other people also had the mask, and we all did this dance thing. Quite fun. Awesome. To do a DOS command that makes a mask print out? Yep. I would lose my mind. I'd lose my lunch. I would lose my lunch. And uh, But not only that, not only that, you have to be the kind of person to get to the end, right. see that you could print out the mask, and print it. Yes, that is definitely part of it that I saw, is that some things are almost testing you to a degree to make sure that the people who are doing this thing are the kinds of people willing to go far down these rabbit holes yeah. without necessarily the promise of that reward. If you're willing to like really figure this out and go that deep, mm-hmm. then you're the kind of person we want doing these things yes. with the Jejun Institute. I love it. You're completely welcome to engage with it as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but only the people who are the kinds of people to print out the mask are going to print out the mask. It's right. as simple as that. Right. And There's get no to other go barrier. to this place. Yeah. It's so cool. So then Mr. Eric, sir, said, um, oh, somebody somebody asked, um, oh, I forgot to copy and paste that. Somebody asked question prompts and he answered them. Um, so this is Mr. Eric, sir, who had done it. He said, maybe somebody said, 
how did it work or something. Yeah. And he said, it was a story that went deep with a variety of websites, podcasts, a book, et cetera, et cetera. It had a profound, prof- a profound effect on me because of its unexpected nature. You never knew when you needed to be on your toes to spot some clue. My favorite part was joining up with a group of seven other people and walking blindfolded through the Chapel of the Chimes, guided by a voice on a golden boombox and led by a mysterious hand. It's one of those stories I tell people and they don't believe me because it all sounds so utterly bizarre. And it was. I love it. So I can elaborate a little bit more on that, that experience that he had, because my last source, which is also in the notes is a Medium article written by Elizabeth Tolley that's called A Game Called the Jejun Institute. And this is from 2016. So this is really where there's a long, nice article that's linked that is super detailed about her experience through all the chapters and everything and gives the storyline in great detail. So as I said, I had written out stuff about the storyline. I deleted that and I ended up just going through and picking out some highlights of cool things that she got to do. And I didn't even go all the way to the end because it's a really long detailed account. So if you like this, definitely go there because I cover most of it, but there's some stuff that I didn't cover. So here are some highlights from what she said. She said in her experience, you got a key to a locker that has an altar to something called nonchalance. Mm. So in this locker, and there's a little altar there. Cool. I don't know how they express that it's the concept of nonchalance. I don't know if it's just a word nonchalance with a bunch of candles around it. There wasn't a picture of that. And it also this article also has pictures and stuff, which is Did cool. Did the lockers look almost like mahogany? Like I, I couldn't see them. Oh, you couldn't see them? Yeah, there wasn't because a picture of that. In uh in Jeff Hull's TEDx talk, he was talking about having people interact with a bunch of lockers. Oh, okay. He showed some pictures. Then maybe. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was. And there's... I'm, I'm not telling this totally completely. Even before that, you go up into this office and you enter a room and there's a TV with Jeff Hall explaining some things to you. Right. Um, so that happens. A couple other things happen. You get this key to this locker. You also at one point get this teeny tiny letter, like smaller than your hand that I thought was very cool. <laughs> um, there are numbers to call and get info that are just posted like regular signs. So you just have to be totally eagle-eyed. Like she took a picture of a chain link fence that had a sign on it that you would probably see and not even read and register that you probably think says like caution, private property or whatever. But if you look at it, it says something kind of weird with a number on it. And actually we were just talking about the concept of like, we breeze by things yeah. and assume that they mean something they don't. Will was talking about the fact that he was using this New York Times article, but that it was behind a paywall. And I told him, actually it's not behind a paywall because just a couple of weeks ago, so I'd always thought the same thing. You go to the New York Times and there's this box that pops up where it's like, subscribe to read more. And it and covers f- up the article you're trying to read. Right. And so for like months, I was just like, oh, God, I have to pay for this, whatever. And I would just give up. And then a couple weeks ago, I actually took the time to read it. And it's just that you have to sign up for a free thing. And right. then you can read your article. Like there are so many things that we just assume we know what it means, but we're wrong sometimes. Yes. Yeah, a thousand percent. Like, uh, uh, when does your mind jump to the solution mm-hmm. to keep you moving fast? Right. And when is your mind wrong about the assumption it made over what it should about like what it should be skipping? Yeah, exactly. Know? It's it's so interesting. I'll tell you this much: the next few, if I if you ever see me do another like podcast for Hunt a Killer, mm-hmm. and you're compelled to fast forward through a particular thing, yeah, you might be punished for fast forwarding through it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> what do you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause y'all. You're going to miss something. You're going to miss something. I'm going to start hiding stuff everywhere. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, Will's already been hiding stuff places, actually. 
in our logos. Oh yeah, kind of. If if you look at the um the episode art that we we post, we always post them every week on all the social media. It's on the YouTube. There are hidden elements in that if you look closer that Will has been doing just for fun. Yeah. It's really, really cool. I don't want, don't oversell it like you're going to go back and unlock something. No, you don't get anything from that. They're just like little Easter eggs I'll throw into things here and there. Yeah. And maybe we'll do something that is meaningful someday. Yeah, we were just talking about that. But it's very very cool. If you look closely, you can see amazing things. But I also don't blame any of us for not looking closely. We got a a busy world going on. We've got a lot coming at us. There's a lot to do. It's just cool that sometimes if you do take the time, there's there's cool stuff there. Or you can just find out that you can read New York Times articles, no problem, instead of assuming that you can't right because you're just too lazy to read um <laughs> i'm talking about myself actually <laughs> um another cool thing is that so like i said you would call this number and there'd be information i like the idea that they also do this kind of fun in world thing where there'd be some numbers where you call and you get an answering machine and the answering machine has information it's not even mm-hmm. just that you're calling a hotline you could be like oh they're not picking up but you need to listen because that answering machine recording is telling you yeah. something. Um, at one point, they went to a bookstore that had a little diorama, which is very cool to me. And they were led to a book that had a ton of code in it in the pages, just repeating stuff that led you to a website that then asked you a bunch of questions. And they weren't even like – it seemed like it was weird, almost like personality test kind yeah. of stuff. Um they found a tape in a store, like a VHS tape, and the store luckily had a VHR, uh, VCR in store for them to play it on of somebody undergoing mind experience uh, experiments, not scary ones, non-invasive, with the Institute. Oh. So it starts to get a little, I it's guess, a little bigger. meta, get, yeah. a little bit, get a little bit bigger. And then at the end of that tape, somebody holds up a piece of paper with an email address that they then email. At one point, um, she realized that she had been getting these cryptic phone calls and emails for weeks before this experiment and during it, because this happens over a course of days, as you would imagine. And she realized that these things, you know, piecing things together that she got from the first couple of days of the experience that she had, she realized that these phone calls and emails she had been getting were all about this event that was coming next in the timeline of her playing. She Uh. connected these dots and was like, oh, that's what that's about. It's for tomorrow or whatever. So what it is is that you meet up with all strangers because of this, because it's people figuring out the same thing as this person writing it, and they all meet up because they all clued this out. So it's very much what we were just saying about, like, if you're you're willing to go down this rabbit hole, then you're worthy of this next experience. So they all meet up, and... um, you've all gotten this information and you meet up and everybody says a certain thing at a certain time, like in a certain order. Once you're all together, as you've been instructed to do by these things that you've received and doing this leads them to where you go next, which is a mausoleum. So you need to rely on the fact that everybody does their job. Yes. Yes. And I guess it's kind of a social experiment in a way, because again, if you're the kind of person who's going to go this far, you're probably going to do your job correctly. That's true. You must be pretty thorough. Yeah. Yeah. And invested, you know? So then it kind of turns into a trust exercise, kind of going back to what I said that Reddit guy, Mr. Eric, said yeah. about being blindfolded and stuff. So you go into a room and you're prompted to find blindfolds for half of the people you're with. So four people put on blindfolds. Uh, the other four are not blindfolded. And each blindfolded person is kind of holding on to the shoulder of the blind uh, of, of the, the not person, blindfolded yeah. person to lead them through. And you're following instructions from this gold boom box with a voice 
telling you where to go through this beautiful building. Half the people can't see it, but whatever. They're right. giving you instructions to turn left, turn right, or whatever. And sometimes it's telling you to do like nice hippy dippy stuff, like stop and breathe deeply while looking at this greenery wow. or whatever. Then you're led into a room where you're told that you'll find four more blindfolds in this room. So now everybody is blindfolded and you do some stuff that makes you kind of vulnerable. Like you find the walls and turn around and touch the wall and you're facing the wall and you're blindfolded. You're kind of at the mercy. It's not scary like blackout or anything where you're like, oh, somebody's going to jump scare me. But it's just it's, it's just unsettling. It's and odd. Yeah, it's weird. Right. And then the boom box tells you to turn to the right. Put your hands on the shoulders of the person to the right. So you kind of create this big train and the boom box says, and I am going to lead you. This voice is like, I'm, I'm coming to lead you through the thing. Then a jejun staffer comes in. Everybody's blindfolded, leads the group out of the mausoleum. All of a sudden, the front person of the train has somebody to grab onto who's new. Oh, leads them out of the mausoleum. And then at least in her experience, the person who they think is a woman kisses one of the girl's hands and disappears before the blindfolds come off. That's so weird. It's so weird. So they're led into this area where they're now, they're they're blindfold free. They're told to sit in a circle and do eye gazing with yeah, each yeah. other. Stare into each other's eyes. Right, exactly. And then leave the boom box. Now we're done with that. And do one last thing. There's a map that leads to a tape and a coded pamphlet, as well as a letter from other people who also heard the voice on the boom box and went through this whole experience. And now they say that you are linked to them now because we've had this shared weird experience, even though we're separate. Wow. And there's more to it, but I'm going to leave it there. Fair enough. Yeah. It's so weird. These people are out there. Yes. You know, like. Yes. <laughs> people may have met their best friend. I know. By being blindfolded and following a golden boombox. If I remember correctly, the woman who wrote this article, whose name is Emily, I think I just said, said that her friend turned her on to it, who is now her husband. Oh, that's So, fun. you know, who knows how big a role it played. Sure, but just, of course. I just remembered it because you said that. Yeah, yeah. But um, I know there are people who like were the jejuner who came in and led them around and stuff. The jejuner. I know. It's so cool. It's so cool. Well, I do have some nudges about what might be next. Yeah. Um, for Jeff Hall. And the I guess the Jejun Institute is now this show. Mm-hmm. What is it uh, called? Dispatches, dispatches from elsewhere. Right. So what is Jeff Hull up to? Well, that 2015 Vice article that mm-hmm. I've been sort of quoting uh, had this to say. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, the person who wrote the article, Rosen Kibbard, said, I ask him if the plot of a new thing will be completely new. Hull replies that it will be timeless. Where will it take place? Hall says, I can say that it's not local and not on the internet. Which, what are you left with then? Not local meaning not just San Francisco and not on the internet means maybe in real life everywhere. Yeah. Right? Right. I don't know. So like, is it outside your house, everybody? I like the idea that maybe there's something already happening in dispatches from elsewhere. That would be... I, I know not nothing about that. But sure, like hidden stuff. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, I like right. that. Uh, the, the, the journalist asks uh, if it will involve technology. Hull says, the technologies we're using are the same ones they used to build the pyramids. Aliens? Asked yeah. the journalist. Hull says, yes. 
ancient alien technologies. And then there is a parenthetical from the journalist. This is the first and only time in our conversation that Hall sounded less than serious. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, the author of the article, Rosen Kibbard, again, uh, wonders if Jeff Hall could be, like you said, the creator of Cicada 3301. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after just sort of positing that goes on to ask Jeff Hall, when will the new experience be out? And Jeff Hall's answer, oh, it's already out. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? It's secretly been out for a long, long time. I think it is going to proliferate hugely just by remaining a secret. Can he at least offer any clues? Quote, I have already given the clues. I love that. So it's it might be happening. It might I be know. there for us to find. I know. I love you it know? so much. Bits and pieces of this are Little Brother and the Prophet, I both know. of which you same. and I have failed at. We failed big time. I owe the prophet an email. I do. We must email the prophet. We must email the prophet. I'm so sorry, prophet. Yeah, I don't think that we would ever be invited to join the Jejun Institute. No, we dropped the ball. No, I think at this point we've proven that we are not to be trusted. No. But it is wonderful. I love it. I love it. Wonderful. Yes. Um. So there you have it. That's it, guys. I Something... hope you liked it. It's the coolest thing. I really encourage you to go to these show notes and visit these websites yeah. and do some research on your own if you don't mind potential maybe spoilers from Ditch- Dispatches from Elsewhere. Right. It is Truly one of the coolest things we've ever researched. I love it. I love the implication that it is it is sort of waiting for you to find it and, yeah. and interact with it. Yeah. When I read the end of that article, I was like, excuse me. Excuse me? Oh, it's oh, it's already out. Yeah. Like the way that he phrased it too, like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, it's yeah, already, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's already out. Um, yeah, evidently he like lived in the woods for months to like figure out how to build this new thing or something. Oh, know. my God. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It really is. Well, you know this is a whole thing? Guides the Unknown. We're everywhere, baby. You can find us at GTTU Pod on all social media. We would love it if you joined our private secret Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Which is at facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU Pod. Or you can search Guides the Unknown Secret Society in Facebook. You can also go to patreon.com slash GTTU Pod. Donate and get all kinds of cool bonus stuff. Yep. Become another world warrior starting at $4 a month. Mm-hmm. Feel free to edit that four into whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. There are already like a dozen some odd extra shows up there for yep. you to listen to and watch. Um, and of course, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we finally have merch. So if you go to tpublic.com slash user slash GTTU pod, yeah. you can get yourself a t-shirt, a tank top, a hoodie. Mm-hmm. You can get yourself a mug. You can get yourself some buttons. Buttons, magnets, Hell stickers. Yeah. It's awesome. And we're going to be adding stuff as uh, as the uh, the shop grows over the course of time. Yeah. So continually check back. Yeah. Uh, but I think that brings us to the end. It does also please leave us a five-star review. Oh, yeah. You got to do that. Big, 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 big deal. Big thank one. You, thank you. Thank you. Big. Big. Huge. Huge. Um, thank you all so much for hanging out with us for a clandestine, secretive episode of Guide to the Unknown. That's right. We'll be back next week broadcasting from another secret location that you can only hear in one teeny tiny corner of San Francisco. That's right. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld. Go we. I thought it'd be funny if we tried to clink our mugs and they shattered, exploded. <laughs> Terrible quality. Back to the netherworld. Go, go we. Smash! It feels pretty sturdy. It does. Yeah. Good yeah. clink. All right. Don't clink too hard. I got water in here. It's going to spill on me.
Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And today we are going to be talking about the Jejun. Jejun. It's they're both Jez. I think so. Yeah, Jejun. Okay. The I thought maybe the first one was a hard J. Right. I thought it was Jejun. Right. Which is hard to say. Okay. You want to take it again? Yeah, we'll go again. Yeah, why not? 